Welcome to the Mom Life Ministries Podcast. We're your hosts, Melanie and Christy. We get it. Being a mom is messy yet lovely in a very real way, whatever your age or season of motherhood, and we want to talk about it all. We certainly aren't experts at this mom thing, but we'll share what we're learning, how Jesus has encouraged us all along the way on this journey that we call Mom Life. Hey moms, we are so glad that you are here with us today, whether you are folding laundry or you're on a walk or you're riding in the car on the way to carpool or you're picking your kid up. However you're listening today, we are glad that you're here. We're moving into our final overarching topic for this beautiful mess, Seeking Jesus, Finding Beauty series. And last fall, we talked about how when we seek Jesus, we find beautiful faith and purpose. In the past couple of months, we've been talking about how when we seek Jesus, we also find beautiful wisdom. And now for March and April, we want to discuss how when we seek Jesus, we find beautiful connection. A core Christian belief is that God is relational in his own triune self, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he lives in perfect love and fellowship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because we have been made in his image, we're created for connection. First and foremost, to experience intimate connection with God and then to experience the love we receive from him in our families and communities and churches. And we grow in connection through relational acts of love. So when we find ourselves longing for whole and healthy and beautiful connection with other people, we really aren't craving something that we just might like, something that is good for us like vegetables or vitamins, but we're actually craving something that we are fundamentally created for. Author Scott Sauls has made the statement that we experience loneliness not because there's something wrong with us. And how often do we feel that way, that we are lonely because there's something wrong with us? But he says, that's not the thing. But we experience loneliness because there's something right with us. We experience it because we know deep down that we were made for connection. We experience loneliness and difficulty because connecting with others, I hear you friends, like it can feel hard. I don't even have to tell you. Relationships are messy and connection, it takes work. It takes effort, right? I think because it's something that we've been created for, we have this innate desire for it. We also have this belief that it should be easier than it actually is. It should be simple. And so that's why we're going to be talking about over the next couple of months, both the beauty and the mess of connection in our marriage, with our kids, in our relationship with God. But I promise every time we take an obedient step to love like Jesus, we are taking a chance to grow in beautiful connection. When I think about love, this quote from C.S. Lewis, it's, it's hard, but also so true. It says this, it says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. (laughs) So good and so hard and so true. If we put ourselves out there to love 
we have a chance of our heart being broken for us to be, you know, like torn apart by Mm -hmm. it. But yet we need it. We crave it. We want it. We need it. And so to love is to be vulnerable, to Mm -hmm. put ourselves out there in these connections with our spouses, with our kids, with other people, with God. Yes, we do. We get hurt because of the words or, or the actions of other people. It requires this softness, this, this vulnerability, which mm-hmm. is not exciting. It is not mm-hmm. something that we just eagerly want to move towards. But to truly connect with other people, when we think about it, those relationships, those are the people when I, I hear my daughter, right, talking about like her best friends. And I try to figure out why is this person what? What's so great about that friendship? And her answer is always, they just get me. Hmm. They understand mm-hmm. who I am. And that is a really beautiful thing. And that that requires some vulnerability of her sharing her thoughts, her feelings, her desires, mm-hmm. her excitements. Now, you know, on a 10-year-old level, that looks a lot different than on a 43-year-old level. Sure. <laughs> um, but it does. It requires some vulnerability because the opposite of that like Lewis is saying, we can choose to completely protect ourselves and not get hurt. But man, that that feels even harder to be completely separate from other people. So today we're going to talk specifically about connection in marriage. <laughs> and the main problem that I think that every marriage faces is the self-centeredness of both spouses' hearts, whether you're the husband or the wife, male or female, our baseline go-to is to be most concerned with self, right? I'm, I'm coming to terms with this in my own life. Yes. And, and culture might try to tell us that marriage really only needs to last as long as both parties feel like it's quid pro quo, right? right? You know, it's all transactional. As long as each person's needs are being met without too much sacrifice, then the marriage can last. But when that becomes a rub, then, eh, you know, maybe there's something different. Maybe there's something better out there. Mm-hmm. But that really can't be right because if that were true, then no marriage would last ever. Right. I think that mutual investment is what gives us hope for longevity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I want to give a disclaimer before we really dive in that today, what we're going to talk about with marriage is, is really for a marriage that's that's pretty good. You know, you're doing okay. You're not in a volatile state. You're not at the brink of maybe filing for divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for the the wife. It's for the mom who really is thinking, what can I do to maybe take a step closer to my husband? Mm-hmm. I also know that there might be some moms who are listening who are finding themselves in those really, really hard and desperate situations. And I want to encourage you to ask for help. Go and tell a trusted friend, go to a pastor, go to a professional counselor and work those things through. We uh, and, and not that this has nothing for you today. We hope that you do have some encouragement from the things that we share. But just in general, I just want you to know that we're kind of talking from a place of marriages that are generally doing okay. Mm-hmm. Or find themselves in a place of like, I, I know that things aren't great. Mm-hmm. I want them to be better. And so how can I move toward better? Yeah. I have heard it said for a long time that a good marriage is 50-50. The wife puts in, the husband puts in, it's kind of equal parts on both sides. But I heard author Brene Brown say one time that that is actually false, that marriage should be 
100% and 100% that both parties need to be giving their all because in all reality, there are going to be times that one of you can't Mm -hmm. give your all. Right. And so somebody's got to make up the difference there. And so if if I'm giving my hundred percent and my husband is walking through just a really difficult and challenging season and maybe all he has to give is 80 or 50 or 20, Mm -hmm. then we're not completely floundering because I'm there helping to hold us up. And the same is true vice versa. If I'm in a position where, man, life is hard, I feel overwhelmed, I've got some mental health things going on, some physical health things going on, work is crazy, I need him to step up his game, he's already giving 100%. I, I think that that was such a really cool way for me to look at it mm-hmm. as because mm-hmm. I feel like 50-50 is I'm just moving halfway. Mm-hmm. You need to come and fulfill your end of the bargain. Right. You know? It's transactional. Yeah. It's like I'm doing my part, you do yours. Where it's if we're in this together and it's mutual, then like if I need to give a hundred percent right now, I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Because we're in this together and vice versa. And I think I know that that's hard when you're not looking at it the same way, but I think that's where you have to communicate. Like, hey, I need you to give 100% right now because I can't or vice Mm -hmm. versa. Like, I think that's where the communication piece comes in. Which to put yourself in a position where you are giving 100%. Now, if we go back to C.S. Lewis's quote, Mm -hmm. that really does put us in a vulnerable place, I think. Marriage is this promise to stick it out through all of the ups and the downs of our feelings mm-hmm. of love, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? which are going to waver over over the course of time. But it provides a depth of love that can't be attained any other way than if mm-hmm. than for us to give 100%. I love this quote from Timothy Keller. He says this about marriage. He says, it's a friendship with a mission. While ancient and traditional marriages gave priority to the roles of parents and modern marriages elevates the desires of romantic lovers, we, talking about he and his wife, we argue that along with all the other factors, spouses need to be best friends. Friendship, however, needs to be about something. And in Christian marriage, it needs to be about spiritual growth and each spouse helping the other grow into Christ's likeness. If we aim at holiness for each other, happiness will come. If we aim primarily just at happiness, we will get neither. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I have to sit with that for a minute. Well, because what are we aiming at? Are we aiming for a happy marriage or are we aiming to be more like Christ in our marriage? Biblically, a Christian marriage should be a picture of that, of Christ and the church, right? That's the biblical mandate in a marriage. And and I get that that's an ideal, right? And we told you at the beginning, like we're talking ideal, like this is an ideal scenario. But the truth of the matter is we, if we don't have a goal that we're aiming at, this ideal that God has set before us in a Christian marriage, then what are, we don't know what to aim toward. Mm-hmm. And so I love his idea of like, no, we're aiming at holiness. We're aiming at being more and more like Christ every day within the context of our marriage. And that's going to take us somewhere. You know, and and if that's not even our goal, then that's where we have to sit down and say, like, is this our goal? Is our goal to be more like Christ within our marriage? Mm -hmm. I think that's a question we have to ask ourselves. And it's a hard question, but it's true. Like, do I want my husband to push me to be more like Christ? I do. It feels yuck sometimes. It does. It's hard. But, But I do want that. I want us to make each other better. Iron sharpens iron. I want to be friends. I want to be working in it together. That's a good goal to have. And so I love that Tim Keller puts that in front of us as a goal. Yeah. And even the temptation 
that it is our desire for happiness, right? And and on my good day, I am genuinely wanting happiness for our marriage, for mm-hmm. our team. Mm-hmm. But if I'm really honest, most of my goals and motivations, going back to how we even started, mm-hmm. are very – like I just want to be happy. Yeah. And I want my marriage to make me happy. Therefore, I want my husband to make me happy. Right. And so if he's not – then it feels really, really messy. But if I am shifting my gaze completely off of that and Mm -hmm. onto how can I move towards Christ and how can we move towards Christ together, it does completely shift. And and, yeah, Mm -hmm. happiness does come. Yeah. And I think I want to speak to you because I know there's probably some of you out there that are like, but but we're not even on the same page with that. Sure. And I think that's where it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. Maybe that's where you need to start. Have that conversation. Get on the same page. And if you're not, then maybe that's where you need to talk to a counselor or a trusted staff member at your church to say, okay, help us move in this direction together. Like, what does this even look like for mm-hmm. us? You know, Because I do think that every single day in a marriage, like you said, Melanie, is this the thing we don't like to talk about? It is a daily practice in self-denial. Like laying down ourselves in order to see the bigger picture of the good of our marriage, the good of our family. Like it's not just about making me happy. It is about looking at the big goal and saying, okay, I might have to lay that down for the greater good of my marriage. Or he might have to lay that down for the greater good of our marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea of self-denial that we do not love, but it is the way of the Lord. It is. Today's beautiful truth is Ephesians 5 verses 31 through 32 As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And so there comes this ideal picture of being a a unit, right? Mm -hmm. Like two people becoming one, becoming one family, and moving together towards holiness. But the last part of this, it says, this is a great mystery. And I I just giggle to myself. (laughs) Like this whole thing. It is a great mystery. Of unifying these two different people from two different families and backgrounds and thoughts and desires and and loves and differences, unifying them into one. It is a great mystery. But like you were saying, Christy, it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. I hear from many women, myself included, (laughs) in this. But we like different things. Yeah. I like different things than my husband. I'm interested in different things. We believe different things. You kind of mentioned that. We mm-hmm. we vote differently. We parent differently. We discipline differently. We're passionate about different things. We seek Jesus differently. Or maybe I do and he doesn't. Or he does and I don't. So in all of that different, what does it look like to live mm-hmm. as one? Because there are a lot of times that everything feeling different makes connection feel really, really mm-hmm. hard. I think base level thing that I would say, and this sounds a little bit trite, but hopefully as I explain it, it'll make sense. I think we have to be curious about each other. Like those things you just mentioned. Okay, we believe different things. Well, like why don't you take the time to figure out why he believes what he believes? There might be some deep-rooted things in his history that you might not even know about that are where that belief came from or um, things in his family of origin that like you just haven't talked about. So one, just be curious. Why does he believe that thing and why does it matter so much to him? Or or if it's about parenting, like again, a good conversation, well, why do you think that's the best way to parent? Rather than it being an argument every time, which is what it can turn into, mm-hmm. right? Let's just keep, get curious. Help me understand. 
where you're coming from and vice versa. Do the same, like be able to share your own, like, here's why I believe it should happen this way. Let them share why they believe. Same thing with voting. We do not have to agree on that. We all know the last few years of that have been really, really hard, but you don't have to agree. You just need to be curious and be able to have an adult civil conversation about why you feel that way. And I feel this way. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a marriage ending conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think being curious and not expecting him to be you. And like, do you really want that? Play that all the way out. How boring is that to be in a marriage with somebody who is exactly like you? Right. I don't want that. Right. He's brought so much to my life because he's different than me. And I bet most of you could say the same about your spouse. You love them for a reason. You married them for a reason. And they are not going to be the same as you. Yeah. So I think base level, get curious instead of frustrated. You know, like just get curious and try to figure Mm. out like what is going on in there that makes him feel this way. And you still might disagree at the end of it, but at least you understand each other better. That's good. And and if I flip it the other way, I don't want to be fully like him. No. <laughs> so then it feel when I look at it that way, that feels unfair to put that mm-hmm. same kind of expectation that he would want to be just like me, uh, th- that I should want him to be just like me. I think then I have to step back and say, well, maybe I'm putting something on this biblical idea of unity mm-hmm. that isn't actually Mm-hmm. there. If God has created both of us as unique individual human beings, maybe that means that there is space for some difference. I have learned that I've got to take some of the shoulds mm-hmm. out of marriage, right? That yep. he should be doing this. He should be thinking this. He should be. Because <laughs> where do those come from? They come from society. They come from other expectations. They don't actually usually come from scripture, right? Or they like, come from pressures that I feel from from my family or from generation after generation, you know, in the Simpson household, which is my maiden, you know, that isn't necessarily fair to put on him. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have come into marriage with this idea that there will be no, that we, one mind, a unified mind means we think exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've had to really come to terms and wrestle with, that's not true. That's really probably not even realistic. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of beauty. There's a lot of growing for both of us Mm -hmm. in that there's a lot of learning. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think too, and I I always want to say this to Christian women specifically, there is nowhere in the Bible that says to be the spiritual leader of your home, your husband should be leading devotionals at the dinner table. And, you know, that's not there. And yet for some reason we've placed this ideal on the men in our house of all of these things that a spiritual leader should look like. And so I really caution you, think about where you got those from. It does not say that. It literally just says those words, like that there is this spiritual leadership of a husband, but that can look so many ways. It it means that God has gifted your husband in a certain way, and that will be the way he leads your family spiritually. And so that looks different in everybody's house. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think in my house, like one of the things we've talked about for years is that my husband knows that I have been given different spiritual gifts than he has. And mine tend to lean more toward teaching and reading and like the intellectual pursuit of God. He does not connect with God in the same way. And so when it comes to sitting down with our children and walking them through those kinds, it's me. That's something that God has gifted me in. And so he has said to me, you're more gifted at that. You need to lead in that area. That's him leading my family, you know? And then he's more gifted at other things in our family, like lots of things that he leads our kids in that I am not good at. 
And so to spiritually lead your family means that you are looking at the whole and letting that happen the way that God gifted each of you individually. And I think we mess that mess that up a lot. I think we put a lot of expectations on our husbands that they're not naturally wired to be able to do, that God hasn't gifted them in, and there is no mandate for them to do in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so I think I have to be really careful with that and and looking at what our husbands are actually gifted with and allow him to lean in those ways mm-hmm. within your home. I also want to be clear that we're not saying that it's okay, do everything different. Yeah. Believe everything different, love everything different. We've, we've still got to move towards each other and move in the same direction. We just might do that in some different mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think are some other hindrances or disruptions to connection? I, I hate to say this, women, but I think you will understand. I'm sorry if I step on your toes, but we often lead with our emotions. They just drive everything what? about everything. <laughs> they just do. Like, it's just true. But I heard a marriage counselor, Dr. Pratt, say this not long ago. And he he talked about, especially in like a conflict situation where you're trying to like resolve something within your marriage. And he said, often we're operating out of a like, we're fearing exposure. So like when I hear him say that, I, th- I think, okay, we're worried that the real, everything in us, our real self is going to show. And so we start to react out of shame or it pushes us to be judgmental or defensive. We start to use language of protection, you know, like we, we start to do that with our spouse because we're just afraid of being fully seen and fully known for who we are. And then he also talked about this fear of abandonment. And I think this is when we all kind of feel like if I really let myself be fully vulnerable and fully connected to this person and they know everything about me, right? They might leave. That might be it. And so I'm going to, I'm going to hold some back and I'm going to not be fully connected with this other person because I fear those things. I fear exposure. I fear abandonment. And so I think we have to really think, okay, take our emotions out of it. Try to lay that stuff down and say like, okay, yes, Again, C.S. Lewis, love is vulnerable. It's vulnerable for me to be fully seen and have this conversation with you. And yet I'm going to do it because hopefully it will bring us connection. It'll bring us closer together instead of further apart. And it means that I have to lay down that emotion and be gentle and kind and like not go at you with all the defense and go at you with all of the, you know, the stuff, the emotions, the anger, the things that rise up in us. But I think for both of us to be able to go into that that way. Because I think that disrupts connection a lot, is just going into conversations defensive and and with fear of abandonment and exposure. Right. Just know? already coming in trying, with a wall up yeah. of protection. Mm-hmm. I think other things that just small things that build up over time mm-hmm. that create disruptions to connection are our phones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Are when we're with our husband, are we on our phones the majority of the time mm-hmm. or not? Busyness, you know, our schedules can get out of control. And so we're just kind of passing in the night kind of thing. Laziness of, well, it feels too hard to try to go mm-hmm. and schedule a date. It mm-hmm. feels too hard to try to schedule a babysitter or, um, well, you know, my brain is tired. Let's just sit and watch TV. Yeah. Or, or just like, I think we also fall, at least I know I have at many seasons in my marriage into the laziness of, oh, well, he knows I love him and he loves me. We're good. Right. You know, like that's its own version of laziness. No, we still need to pursue each other. We still need to have fun together. We can't just rely on like, we're good. Because what if we're not? Yeah. You know, and we're just kind of assuming. 
Or what if physical intimacy is hard? And Mm -hmm. so, you know, if I can just avoid it, then I don't have to face the -hmm. fact that this is a difficult thing for us. Maybe one person works really long hours or is deployed a lot or, or works away and travels a lot. And so that can become really hard for connection. Maybe, especially as we become parents, mm-hmm. I think it becomes easier to move into this roommate status of we're just kind of managing the household <laughs> differently. Mm-hmm. We we each have our roles. We each have our zones. And we're just, again, we're, we're roommates. Mm-hmm. Maybe we become disappointed in the lack of perfection. Mm-hmm. And he's not exactly all that I thought. I'm not exactly all that I thought. Our marriage isn't exactly all that I thought. And and maybe with parenting too, like our marriage just gets put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. It's not the most important. It doesn't feel the most urgent thing because mm-hmm. we have these little humans around us that mm-hmm. feel like they demand much more of our time and our attention and maybe even our affection. And yeah. so, Christy, let's talk about just a little bit. What are some specific things that we can do? to be aware of when these things creep in, when this fear of abandonment or exposure or when just busyness or laziness kind of creeps in, what can we do to recognize Mm -hmm. those things and then actively work against them? I mean, I think the first step is to recognize them. And I think, I mean, you, all of those you listed, I thought, "Mm, yeah, that one, that one, that one. Like, so I'm guessing as you heard that list, there were a few that got you, you know? And so I think, acknowledging that but then also like what is a concerted effort we can make towards and we can't even acknowledge if we don't think about it no we can't think about it if we don't slow down right right so like maybe this is your sign to slow down and think (laughs) about it like maybe that's what this today is but i think ultimately when it comes to these different parts none of this happens super fast like Mm -hmm. this has likely happened over time so you can't exactly think it's going to shift quickly either. Mm -hmm. And if you came in tomorrow to your husband and said, this has got to change today, that's not always going to work very well. But as far as it depends on you, start to make changes. If you feel like the phone is an issue in your house for your own self or for your spouse, if you start to make different choices, put it in a different room, put it in your bedroom when you come home and like, just leave it there, you know, (laughs) like see what that could do. You know, if you think it's busyness, Look at your schedule, find ways to like cut some things out that are not important and schedule in times to spend together. I think same with like shifting into roommate status. If you're not spending active time together, then that's of course how it's going to feel. You know, you're just passing in the night or whatever that looks like. And so I think, I think ultimately recognition is first, but then the second thing is you just actually have to put in some effort. Yeah. I mean, that, that's easier said than done. I understand, but You know, I think a lot of times, especially moms will say, well, I mean, like you said, I don't want to get a babysitter. That takes too much effort. It takes, okay, so don't, but put the kids to bed at a normal time and go sit on the back porch. That's a date in and of itself. Or I've known people that'll feed their kids chicken nuggets for dinner and then put them to bed and then make a steak, you know, like and have, have a date at home. I think we can find ways to do that that don't require a lot of money and don't require the effort of a babysitter. Find a friend who has kids too and say, hey, we'll take your kids a night. You guys go out. Vice versa. We'll take your kids for a night. There's a lot of ways this can look, but you just have to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we just life, life passes us by. We're so busy that we just don't think about it. And yet this connection in this relationship is so vital. And especially for our kids to see, they need to see that this relationship is important to us. 
Because how else are they going to know how to do this relationship when it might be time for them to marry someone? What are they seeing? Mm -hmm. And is it what we want them to see? I think that's something else to think about. Do we want them to see us not connecting with our spouse and being on our phone? Probably not. So think about what are your kids seeing in your marriage? And is that what you want them to see? It's hard. Yeah. I do think that a lot when I start to feel restless, like we're not connecting, it can get really easy in my mind to think he's not doing Mm. blank. Yep. And usually it's not one blink. It's like 50 blinks, you know, because mm-hmm. it kind of yeah. starts to yeah. snowball and pile on each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but then again, if I go to a deeper level, what is it that what's one step that I can do? What's mm-hmm. one step that I can take to move towards yeah. him? Maybe he didn't do these things, but what's one thing that I can do to move towards him? Mm-hmm. Felicia Masonheimer has a book called The Flirtation Experiments. Mm-hmm. I love and it. it's really great because it's just kind of her in her own mindset of like, Mm -hmm. how can I start pursuing my husband? Because again, Mm -hmm. we can't control the other person. He's not going to be a cookie cutter of us. And so Mm -hmm. what are some things that we can... And he's not going to be like the movie that we saw and the husband that did all the romantic things. That's just not realistic. No. So what, yeah, what can we do? What step can we take toward that? Because I think that's the other thing that we have to think about is we can't sit around constantly thinking, well, he's not doing this and he's not doing that and he's not. Maybe he's not. Mm-hmm. You know, but you you only get to control you and your part of the equation. And so what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, how can you move toward him in a way that's meaningful maybe to him? Which, again, feels vulnerable. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure it does. Yeah. The other thing that I have learned is to always try to approach it with the team mentality. Mm-hmm. That he is my teammate. He is not the opposing team, right? Like, we are mm-hmm. in this together wanting to move towards God, wanting to move towards each other together. And and I always relearn this lesson when I finally work myself up into being frustrated enough that I confront him mm-hmm. about something. And, you know, it's just all coming at, out mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. this mix of emotions, yeah. like you were saying, not even fully formulated or clear, probably. And like, he's he sits there and he looks at me and I feel like often his first response is, hey, we're on the same team here. That's awesome. It is. So I'm so glad that he says that because it does diffuse the situation Mm -hmm. a little bit and make Mm -hmm. me stop and rethink like, Mm -hmm. okay, so together, here's what we need to fight against. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I think too, there's, there's one thing that a mentor told me early in our marriage and it has stuck with me and I've said it to multiple, multiple people and I have to say it to myself a lot. But when I get super frustrated about things that aren't happening the way that I think that they should in my marriage, she told me, she said, pray more than you say. Mm-hmm. And I, that has just stuck with me because the more I can pray, one, for my own heart to be softened to what's going on, but then also for him and the things that maybe there is some true things that he needs to work on. But it, does it do me a lot of good to tell him that? No. <laughs> it might be better for me to just talk to God about it. And I have watched God change my husband over the years so many times that I'm like, God, this is amazing. Like what, mm-hmm. w- what you just did, I could have said all the words in the world and it would not have done this, but God can do that. And so I think sometimes we have to pray more than we say. The other thing that I realize about myself, and this is just my own vulnerability, is that often when I feel the most disconnected from my husband, it's because I've been living life in my head for mm. 
a while, you know, like running and blowing and going and making plans for the kids and doing this and doing my job, all the things that happen without ever slowing down to actually talk to him about any of it. And so it's all lived in my head and I've lived a whole month in my head before I've ever told him about any of it. And so I'm withholding all of this from him. Then I expect him to be able to read my mind. And I feel super disconnected from him. And so I have to be really careful to remember, oh, I've had all these fears in my head, all these worries, all these things that are making me act this certain way toward him right now. And I haven't shared a single one of those with him. Yeah, That's unfair. It's just unfair. And so I've tried to learn that when I feel disconnected from him. Or we only tell all of our friends. Yes. We've told all of our friends about it. And yet we haven't shared any of our concerns or fears or dreams or any of that with him. And so I've tried in the last, because that's something I've felt in the last few years is disconnected in that way. And I was like, this is not, it's not his fault. I haven't shared any of this with him. And so for me, I've had to learn to regularly download with him those things at the end of the day or after a few days of worrying about something like, hey, this is what's going on my, in my head. Can we talk about it? You know, and I think we just have to do that, you know, and and we're just going too fast. And we both do it. Like there are times where I'll look at him and I know he's carrying like the weight of the world. And I have to just look at him and say, hey, what's going on in there? What's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, like, can we talk about it? And sometimes he's like, not right now, which is fine. But then I have to circle back to it. Right. You know, like, okay, maybe in a few hours, maybe tomorrow night, let's go to dinner. Let's sit by the fire. Like, just, we have to slow down, though. Because otherwise, we're just constantly running past each other. I know, I mean, kids are going a million places. And so I think that's a big thing. And then I realize that I'm also frustrated when I don't feel like he knows me, but that's usually why, because I haven't given him the space to know me. Yeah. He hasn't had the chance. No. And I'm so, like you said, I've shared that with my friends or, or I've just complained about it in my mind, or I've even taken it to God sometimes. And yet he doesn't. And so how do I expect him to understand me and all that's going on with me if I haven't taken the time to share it with them. And so that, that's been a huge thing that I've learned in the last probably five or six years of just feeling a little bit disconnected. It's just, it's because I haven't opened myself up to that. I think another disruption to connection that feeds all of these running thoughts in Mm -hmm. our mind that we keep Mm -hmm. is comparison. Sure. Is all these images that we see in media and on Instagram and even stories that we hear from in real life friends when they're talking about my husband bought me this for Christmas and it was mm-hmm. so special and he put all of this time and effort and he planned this special day and you, all of that and then making that comparison of well my husband doesn't whatever or talking about movies like you did mm-hmm. before and that can be really hard it's got to be something mm-hmm. that we are very wary of that we limit that and mm-hmm. I have learned that when that starts to come up in my mind I've got to unfollow I've mm-hmm. got to stop listening or if it if that's like on a screen, you know, that I'm right. seeing those things. Right. But if it's a if it's a person, then man, as a friend, I can be joyful mm-hmm. that she's experiencing mm-hmm. that too. Yeah. Well, and I think the other piece of that we have to know is that like, especially if it's a real life friend, like you said, I think if there are voices on the internet or couples on the internet or celebrities or whatever you're watching to put your marriage up next to just stop that. That's yeah. that's not realistic. Move on. <laughs> You're only seeing a highlight reel 100%. And so that's just not realistic. But if it's a real friend that's like, hey, my husband did this thing, like, yes, like that, maybe that's a gift that her husband has that yours doesn't. 
But then you have to flip that and think, okay, but what does my husband do that her husband doesn't? Right, like, it's right. not a comparison game, but the truth of the matter is they're different human beings. Right. And that one great thing that he does, there's probably 10 others that annoy her about right. her husband. Same for me. There are things about me that annoy my husband. We have to be honest about that and, and look at our marriages honestly and say, yeah, but my husband does do this really well. There's this one thing that he does really well. Let me, how about I focus my gratitude on that yes. and know that like, that's just not his thing. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't mean that there aren't times we want those things to maybe be better and we can communicate that, but if in a kind, loving way to say, Hey, I wish we did this more, or I wish that's okay, but not in an accusatory or comparing manner, mm -hmm. more in a like, Hey, we're a team. Let's work toward this together. But I just think it's really important that we focus on the positive things that our spouse does bring. Right. Which is a very active choice Yeah, of I'm going to shift that to gratitude over complaining mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. I'm going to shift this conversation to celebrating you and what you're experiencing mm -hmm. over the comparison and the mm -hmm. competition and just kind of sitting in the yuck mm -hmm. <laughs> of that. One of the really great ways that we can move towards connection is through fun. Mm -hmm. I, sometimes marriage can feel so hard and so messy and so overwhelming. And what are we going to do? And what books do we need to read? And what therapists do we need to talk to? And how sometimes we just need some fun yeah. in our life yep. to move towards mm -hmm. each other. So Christy, what are you doing for fun mm -hmm. in your marriage right mm -hmm. now? Well, I don't know that I always consider it fun, <laughs> but I'm learning to like it. Um, my son loves to go rock climbing and like in a, in a climb gym. Mm -hmm. And so my husband started to do it with him. Well, now my husband loves it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try my hand at it. And so now there are days where it's just he and I, mm -hmm. and we just go, you know, and I, I never would have dreamed that that would have been something that I would enjoy, but it is kind of fun to just to get to do something completely outside of the box, something that I I'm not great at, but we do it together and he's encouraging to me and like, you can do it. And like, he's, you know, he's actually the one holding the rope as I go up the wall. And like, it's been a connection point. That's just been sweet. I think for us. Um, yeah, I'm not good at it and I'm never going to be good at it. He's way better than me, but it's still fun, mm -hmm. you know, like to just do something together. That's just out of the box. So that's been fun for us. A fun way to connect. That's great. I would say for Tony and me, we've been building a house. Yeah. For the last 10 years. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably from the start date of like just imagining that mm -hmm. we could do this. It's been about three years until mm -hmm. moving in. And there, it has felt like a long, hard, messy process. But man, when we finally got to getting to choose different things yeah. and imagine it together and walk through the whole process, you know, from dirt to wood to brick mm -hmm. to all the things – it really has been a fun process of that. But also, if I'm really honest, it has just been, it's also been a really busy and hard season. Mm -hmm. And so we are in the middle of trying to reclaim some of these rhythms yeah. for fun. Mm -hmm. We're in the middle of trying to reclaim some of that rest yeah. and moving towards each other. Yeah. And so part of me wanted to have this conversation so that you can remind me of how to do yeah. these things well, that it is worth it. And I believe that it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Hear me. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes mm -hmm. we just, we have to come back, mm -hmm. you know, 
Yeah. And I think I would say I would encourage moms out there, like if this feels hard, we know it feels hard. So (laughs) I think we are going to have a PDF in the show notes of just maybe some ideas of how to connect around fun. Yes. What Um, are some things that you can do, whether you have a limited budget or maybe you can have a little splurge here, but also there's going to be some questions on Mm -hmm. it of... I think there's like 10 questions maybe don't don't come with your list of questions in a notebook to record answers kind of thing. No, it doesn't go well from my own experience. <laughs> but maybe once you choose something fun, what is one question? What, what are two questions that you can use to kind of build some engagement with each other to learn something yeah. new about each other? Yeah. The other thing I think about fun within marriage, it's kind of like what I'm learning with climbing and multiple other things in my marriage over the years is in my initial reaction is usually like, no, I don't really want to do that. But he wants to do it or he wants to try it. And so many times I've been surprised. Mm -hmm. I would say, like, that's not going to be fun. I'm not going to like it. And I would get into it. And like, and same thing for him. Mm -hmm. Like, there are multiple things that I love to do that he used to be like, no, that doesn't sound fun to me. And now he loves it. Mm -hmm. And so just be willing to come the other person's way a little bit and try something that maybe you wouldn't have tried before. Yeah, that's great. Christy, as we wrap up this conversation about the beautiful mess of marriage, do you have any final words of encouragement? Yeah, I think the first thing I would say is whatever we have said today, we may have said things that were hopeful and they're like, yes, or we, you may be discouraged, you know, just with where your marriage is or what is happening. I think the biggest thing I would say is there is hope and there is beauty in the mess. <laughs> and so look for it. Look for the beautiful things and then try to walk toward something better. Like work together with your spouse, find help if you need it. Go talk to mentors and church staff and friends. This is, it's hard. Marriage is hard and it doesn't happen easily. And so I think my encouragement would just be don't, don't give up hope. Just continue to pursue Jesus and, um, and to pursue help if you need it. I think both can be really, really helpful. Both and. Both and. Well, let me pray for you, moms. Father God, I thank you for being our perfect example of love. I thank you for being our example of what it looks like to move towards someone because you move towards us. You have pursued our hearts in desiring a relationship with us and providing us with forgiveness and redemption and new life. God, I pray that we can take the image of that perfection and we can move towards our spouses. We can move towards our husbands. We can offer this place of vulnerability to maybe say, hey, I'm feeling this. I would love to see this in our marriage. I'm feeling a little disconnected because of whatever. God, give us the strength that we need to maybe do this vulnerable thing. That feels hard to move towards our husband. Maybe maybe the vulnerable thing is to do something fun. And so, God, we're coming to you and we're saying, just, just help us. Help us to put away all of the distractions, all of the things that serve to disconnect us. Help us to lay them to the side and focus on you and look at our husband and, and remember what made us fall in love with him in the first place. God, we need your help to be all of the things, to be loving and patient and kind and gentle. And so we ask for your Holy Spirit, the powerful Holy Spirit to be at work in us as we try to build and strengthen and move towards a greater marriage, all for the sake of of being more like you. God, we love you so much. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Next time, we're going to be talking about how can I build connection with my kids 
especially when they feel like aliens in my house. I don't know if anybody can identify with that question. What about when I'm also trying to establish boundaries and discipline with my kids? What does connection look like then? How do I have connection with my kids when I'm feeling overwhelmed or maybe even when I'm feeling like I'm failing as a mom? So be sure you don't miss our next episode. And we're even going to have a special guest with us. Also, I want to take just a minute to talk about Mom Life Ministries. We are getting ready to launch registration in April for new leaders in new locations to host a Mom Life group in your church, in your home, over your lunch break, at your workplace, when you are sitting in the car waiting at soccer practice, and you're wanting to have some intentional conversations with other mom friends. Mom Life Ministries is here to help you out. We provide teaching videos with biblical truths. We provide discussion questions to talk about the things that you have learned from the teaching and how can you apply it in your own life. We want to put everything in your hands to make it as easy as possible for you to grow in your faith and in spiritual friendships with other moms. So if you want to start meeting with a group of moms and having some good spiritual conversation, we would love to have you join Mom Life for the 2024-25 season. If you're interested in finding out more, check out momlife.org. We would love to have you.